This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I am really excited because we are getting so very close to the basketball season and King's basketball, but we are still talking about some other teams around the league. I think we got only four left, and today we are focusing on the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, here to help us out with that is Eric Garcia Gunderson. How you doing today, Eric? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, watching, I've been watching some playoff baseball. I was just watching the WNBA Finals. Uh, I'm very excited that the NBA is almost back. Yeah, right around the corner. We're just ex- as excited as you are. And uh, the way we want to start this, Eric, is talking a little bit about last year. Um, what do you feel you can take from that 53-win team that made it all the way to Western Conference Finals and uh, move forward into this year with it? Well, uh, I, I think last year's, uh, you know, good season was, I think, maybe the season that they thought they were going to have the season before when they were the three seed and then they got swept by the Pelicans. And uh, I, I, I really do think that obviously it was a lot of validation for guys like Damian Lillard, guys for like C.J. McCollum who had – uh, you know, a huge game in game seven of that Denver series to get the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals. You know, those are a big validating wins. And it was, I think, kind of maybe the type of win that you could say, you know, kind of validated the Blazers as like, hey, this front court is not just like a gimmick and they're not just these two small guys. Like, they can actually win games when it really matters. And uh, they, they showed that, I think, in the postseason. And they did that without their – uh, the guy who was probably their second best player last year for most of the season in Yusuf Nurkic. And I think uh, they were also able to do that by mostly having a lot of forwards and other wing players alongside Damon CJ that weren't great shooters. Uh, you know, Rodney Hood really stepped into a role. The fact that he came back with taking less money than some of the offers that he was getting to come back to Portland, that was big. But um, I think really the fact that you could really just count on your two stars to just elevate themselves. I mean, outplaying Russell Westbrook and Paul George in a postseason series, outplaying, you know, beating the Nuggets in a second round series. I think that really just kind of gave a lot of confidence to this group that, like, you know, they really are as good as I think they thought they were. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say that Portland is, you know, you said it there as good as they thought they were. Uh, another way to phrase that is better than I thought they were. 
because for a long time, Portland has just been the team that I'm wrong on every year. Uh, they just seem to win five to six to seven more games than I expect them to. And I wonder, you know, being, being with the team for so long as you have, you know, covering them, reporting on them throughout the Stotts era, what is like, what is going on there that, that makes them special? And, and maybe it's a clutch thing or maybe it's just good coaching, but I feel like this, the Stotts era is, is really underrated and really seems to overperform who this team is on paper. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, definitely the Stotts era is, is a big factor there. I think Damian Lillard also coming in the same year that Terry Stotts came in plays a big factor in Portland's success over these past seven seasons. And the fact that you know, the GM who hired them, I know you know Neil Olshay has had a lot of uh, tough seasons, tough off seasons, tough you know, he's been great, you know, his, the the year that they lost LaMarcus Aldridge and Nick Batum and Wes Matthews and Robin Lopez, you know, a lot of people didn't like that. And, and for good reason, because they lost a lot of great veteran players. But, you know, those three guys have been the constant. And I think uh, there's a trust on all sides there. There's, there's Neil trusting in Stotts to coach the team, to, you know, instill his principles to get the most out of guys, to to kind of use his read and react system to the best of their roster's abilities, then there's Lillard who trusts Dame, who trusts Stotts to get the most out of everybody else, and also the other trust the other way that Stotts gave him when Lillard was a rookie to just run the offense and control things and make mistakes, and you know Dame remembers that from his first season, and I think he still really respects that about Stotts. And then also with Olshay, you know, Lillard, you know, not getting, you know, necessarily too involved in like, you know, team moves or uh, personnel things and, and just kind of letting Olshay do his job. I just think on all three levels, there's kind of a respect there of everyone, you know, letting everyone do what they're great at. Yeah. And we saw Dame end up getting that five-year, $196 million. Uh, Supermax extension that starts in 2021-22. Felt like it was an absolute no-brainer, right? Just throw all that money his way. He's the franchise player. You want to keep him around. Seems to embrace the city. The city uh, does the same thing back to him. Definitely. And, I mean, hey, it's – Let's uh, let's just call it how it is. That's rare in today's NBA. I mean, I mean, Dame is like what one of two players to take the supermax, or three players. Uh, a lot of guys haven't signed that contract, and 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 obviously that you know the offer, the giving up a lot of money, you know, it makes it a lot easier when he's you, know, you see it every day, and, and everybody that has come through Portland, you know, from other teams or has gone to other teams, you know, says this about Dame is that he he has a lot of great things to say. He has a lot of, you know, witty words. Obviously, you hear with his raps and all that stuff, but he shows up and he does the work and he leads by example and it's when he when the best player on your team shows up every day and can be held accountable and can, you know, just be a, one of the guys, that makes it a lot harder for other people that aren't as great as Dame to slack on things or catch an attitude about things. Cause it's just, you know, it's just staring you right in the face every day that this guy, you know, really cares. And he's also better than all of you. Right. And his backcourt partner, CJ McCollum also got an extension 
a little bit lighter, but you know, very significant three years, a hundred million dollars, uh, really showed out in the postseason. you know, and made that move make a lot of sense. Uh, but the Blazers are kind of locking in a little bit of their future, you know, not, not all of it. There's going to be obviously, you know, changes throughout this team over the coming years, but the cornerstones are in place. And, you know, I mean, as someone who interacts with that fan base there uh, all the time, do you think that that is giving some security to the the fans of Portland? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, we're not, uh, we're not, uh, we're less than a year removed from everybody wanting to trade CJ. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, when they got swept in the, in the postseason against the Pelicans, everyone's like, well, I guess that's it. We just got to trade CJ and everyone wanted to do it. And I think that was really, frankly, I, I mean, I didn't agree with it because I always thought CJ and Dame could work together just because they're such great scorers, great creators that you just don't find every day at the NBA level. But I, I think it does bring a lot of security. And I think CJ really did, I think, win over a lot of people with that game seven performance in, in the Denver series, because, uh, you know, I think for a long time there were people saying, well, so, you know, they're just kind of gimmick, they're fun scoring, but you know, if we're really going to be serious, you got to trade CJ and for CJ to step up in a way that he did and really be the best player on the floor in a game seven in the, in, on the road was just, I think maybe one of those moments where people realize like they, that they really do have something special. And I think now, you know, that feeling is is solidified, you know, and the extension I think just really, uh, yeah, definitely gives Portland a lot of comfort that hey, this is this is our group. We're going to go with these guys, and that's how it's going to be for at least the next four or five years. Yeah, and does it feel like Portland is a team that really benefited uh, greatly compared to some others of Golden State breaking up? I know they ran into them a couple different times over, and really they're not being this this beast that's just controlling the west feels like it's more open does it feel like uh portland is do you feel confident in their ability to potentially even get to the finals at some point oh yeah i I mean i think i am i'm taking them seriously as a contender i know that uh you know obviously i'm closer to them so and i'm from here so people could call that a homer pick but you know i don't necessarily buy that they're a tier lower than utah or denver you know, or, or Houston, you know, th- those are all great teams. And I think Houston's probably going to have the best record in the West or the Lakers or the Clippers. I mean, a lot of those teams have talent, but t- to me, I-, I don't necessarily know if I, I, if I buy into the notion that somehow Portland doesn't belong in that same tier of teams when they consistently outplay their projections, they're once again, getting a bunch of guys that are coming off of down years, which is something they've been able to capitalize on over the last couple of seasons. I, I, I think they're in the mix. I mean, I, I don't, there's no, there's nothing for me to see, to say that they're not going to have a chance to win the division, be a top two or three seed and, and have a good chance to make it to the finals. I really like, you, you know, you might be able to call me a homer for that, but like, I really don't think it's that much of a stretch. And to the point that you just made about golden state, yeah, that's the team that eliminates them every year. And they didn't mention it on media day, but you know that that went through their heads when Kevin Durant left, that that they had a chance. And so, uh, you know, I think obviously they weren't really talking about anybody else at media day other than themselves. But I think that to me 
is even more of an encouragement to what I'm feeling about them to have a chance to make it out of the West one day is that this team is very serious about that. And I don't think that uh, they, they definitely don't see themselves on a lower tier than Utah, Denver, Houston, or the Clippers or anybody like that. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. So before we move into the the offseason moves, you know, let's talk about that last game of the regular season because this is a Kings podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're excited to talk about it. I mean, it was it's actually the first time Brendan and I ever met. We met up and uh, watched this game uh, live. It was it was on the road in Portland. We watched it uh, from a restaurant there near Golden One Center and well, uh, we're never doing that again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, really wanted that 40th win uh, for the Kings, but uh, I mean, 48 minutes of Anthony Simons, Jake Lehman, and Gary Trent had something else to say about it. Uh, I'm just, I just I opened up this box score just to look at it again because it was so, so shocking. Uh, Scalabissier, 40 minutes on the court, uh, 29 points. Simons had 37. It's it's. I I am almost at a loss for words about what to say about this, but I know I noticed you uh, tweeted about the effect that this game had on seating and all that recently, and uh, a quote from Simon's there. But yeah, what are your what do you remember about this game? Oh man, so I was at home. I wasn't covering that game. Uh, that was that was a game that I was I was at home for. I was not on assignment for the AP that night, and uh, you know, <laughs> I. Mean, I, I I was kind of, to be honest, before the play, before that game was happening, I was like, do not want to play OKC. Like, for Portland, like, that's just nightmare matchup. You don't want PG. He's been an MVP. You don't want Russell Westbrook. You don't want to play those guys. Obviously, I felt like a huge idiot after the series ended. But that game was just – I, I think I had tweeted something to the effect in the third quarter of that game that if Anthony Simons was going to have like almost 40 points, then I was cool with whatever playoff matchup the Blazers ended up getting. <laughs> and I asked him about it yesterday and it was so funny because he's like, he's like, you know, you know, I, the playoffs would have gone that way no matter what, you know, in my mind. And then he starts talking a little bit more and talking a little bit more. And then he finally gets to the point where he's like, but I guess, you know, there is some truth to me changing the entire trajectory of the end. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I also asked Scal about it, and he says that, like, him and Simons will just, like, during the summer, they would be, like, working out, and then all of a sudden they'll just, like, talk about that game and how stupid it was. (laughs) (laughs) It really was. I mean, is this uh, – so, okay. So the, the Blazers wanted to lose this game, right? I mean, I can't say that for sure, but they definitely didn't want to hurt. They didn't care. I don't like. I I think that they. I mean, they were clearly trying. They didn't care about winning because they didn't want to play Dame. They didn't want to play CJ. They didn't want to play anybody important. So I guess yeah, they were. You know, they played six guys. So 
yeah, I guess you could say that they didn't want to win that game. Man, I, I, I just don't uh, – this is just such a, a stain, such a mark on this season for the Kings because, they, I mean, the Kings really took an amazing step forward. And it was, you know, the last game was kind of, I mean, just the, the worst way to possibly go out. Uh, I mean, the starters started – and just got taken to school by these guys. But, I mean, I, Do I don't know. Do you think know. that game got Jaeger fired? No. I, I, I actually think that there's a part of it that, that is – okay, so I, I do think that it was inevitable either way. But okay. I, I do also think that Jaeger – this was like a, a stubborn stand that, that Jaeger took. And he was – I don't think that he – I, I, let me. I don't know how to really put this. I, I don't want to speculate too much, but I think that he just had like this. There was if there was any time, any time for him to change it up or to get inventive or to um, I don't know. Let the player, let the the players do what they wanted to do. This could have been a time to do it, and I think that he kind of put his stubbornness on full display, and it it still didn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of a nail in the coffin situation. Ah, okay, interesting. Now, I always wondered about that Jaeger piece about about that game because that's it kind of felt like that was like a little, obviously a little bit of a forgotten, if for, at least for me. I wanted to 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 look into that more because that was I I just couldn't believe. It. I mean, yeah, they were definitely not trying to win, but I just think I think it was just one of those things that, that it just like it just took on a life of its own, and then obviously it's you know started you know you can't just tell you can't tell an NBA player to not try. And it's like once Simons has it going, it just it just happens. Right. So are the Kings solely responsible for the Blazers not getting a backup point guard this offseason? I yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> let's, let, let, let's let's give the Kings some credit here. And that's that's solely the reason why they're like, Anthony Simons, you are the backup point guard. And uh you know, just keep on. I mean, Neil Olshay said yesterday that Anthony Simons is the the most talented player he's drafted in 15 years, and he drafted Blake Griffin. Wow! So I, I mean, the 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 Simons hype train, thanks to the Sacramento Kings, is is just it's full bore. There's no breaks. It's all out. Yeah, you know, I've it is completely out of control, and I I think I heard Zach Lowe talking on his podcast the other day that uh, Simon's is like I think he said something to the effect of Simon's is the best player I've never seen play, something like that. You know, and I mean, tell us, yeah. are you uh, how much of the hype is real? I mean, how how much of it comes from this game and this crazy outlier performance, and how much of it is, you know, genuinely do you feel that this player has a very high potential? Well, the, you know, the, the funny thing about that Kings game at the end of the season was we had heard since media day last season about how special Anthony Simons had a chance of being. I remember uh, not the, uh, the last year's media day, CJ McCollum talking about how, how special he thought Anthony Simons was. And – but for, for us, you know, we didn't get to – you know, the, the Blazers are also very protected. They're not often going to let you see full-court drills in practice like some other teams. And uh, so we didn't really see much of Simons at all until that – you know, he played a couple of minutes. And one thing I did uh, hear about him early on was that uh, he did kind of have the trust of Coach Stotts. I think um, 
Stotts put him in a game in like November of last year, I want to say against Minnesota. And he looked pretty competent. You know, he, he, at being as young as he is, I'm, I was impressed the couple times I saw him in summer league. And then later when he played in the regular season, he's just pretty comfortable doing like NBA level stuff, like rotating to shooters, stunting to guys, knowing where to be on as, as the defense is facing towards and kind of be part of like that connective tissue of like a five man defense. That's really hard for young players to often understand. And um, he has a, a very advanced you know, understanding of that. And then also, uh, he's, as we saw in that Sacramento game, he's a great shooter. He's a great shooter. And um, if he can do that, and, he, and you know, he, he's had some incredible dunks. I mean, he's super athletic. He's, he's about an inch taller than Damon CJ at 6'4". Um, you know, I, it's, hard to, it's, it's hard to keep talking about him without sounding like hype. But um, I will just say that everybody, not just Neil Olshay, but everybody in the Blazers organization has just been talking, you know, very glowingly about Anthony for over a year now. So this isn't just because he had that big game against the Kings. Right. And with him now being in that backup point guard role, uh, Evan Turner played that last season for you guys. And you uh, and Portland came out with a great swap of Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore. Two bad contracts, but I think that Bazemore is just flat out a better player um, and probably won't play that backup one the same way that Turner did, obviously. But what did you think about that swap? I think it's great. Um, I think uh, Bazemore is a, is a much more accomplished three-point shooter. Um, he is a guy that can space the floor. He is uh, a guy that I think he used to play point guard, if I'm not mistaken, in college. So he has some, some playmaking chops as well. And, um, you know, from what Damian Lillard was saying the other day, he's been looking good in practice, handling the ball. Uh, he's looked comfortable pushing the ball in transition. And – yeah, I just think it's just a much easier fit. And then also, you know, you don't have to play one of the, the you know, Evan Turner, obviously, you know, we just talked about, but, you know, Evan Turner or Moore Harkless or Alfred Camino, you know, those three guys all brought stuff to the table, but offensively just were not, defenses did not respect them. And just having a guy that the defense at least believes has a chance to make a three-pointer even if the percentage isn't as good, that mental aspect and that perception of Bazemore, I think is really going to help, you know, Portland's offense and the spacing, especially for the two stars and, and for, you know, well, we'll get to the next, we'll get to one of those other guys I'm about to talk about later. <laughs> so I wanted to ask about the, the forward position here because uh, while Bazemore, I, I feel like it, that was a really nice trade. And actually we asked uh, Chris Kirshner of the athletic who covers uh, Atlanta, you know, he kind of scratched his head on that one from the, the Hawks perspective. And he thought that Portland was getting the better player there. Uh, the, some of the other signings here, Tolliver on a one-year deal, uh, Hazonia on a two-year deal, Powell on a one-year deal, you know, forward or forward adjacent type players. And, you know, that does appear to be the hole here. We'll probably see a lot of three-guard lineups. Uh, and I, you know, I guess you could, make the argument that Bazemore can guard the three in some situations. But if you look at these guys, just there doesn't seem to be much wing defense on this roster. Bazemore, you know, Nazir Little is going to be kind of a question mark. Uh, Gary Trent, you know, okay, uh, interesting, I suppose, one day. Rodney Hood, Hazonia, Tolliver. I mean, what's going on in this, this forward part of the lineup here? 
Yeah, I mean, I think what we're definitely going to – I think from what I see on this roster, I think we're going to see a lot of Rodney Hood um, and Bazemore getting a lot of the 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 wing defender jobs. Um, and you're right, they're, they're smaller than, you know, what they had last year in Aminu and Harkless and Turner – uh, and, and that, that hurts, but, uh, I, I do think, um, that it, I, I don't necessarily know if I'm, I'm blowing anybody's mind by saying the NBA is an offense first league. Am I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I, I know, I, like, I mean, I know they're going to miss those guys, but I feel like the additional, you know, support that that offense is going to get and the, the firepower. And I also think, you know, it, it's a lot harder for a, a, a team to be good defensively when they're super young or super old and this Blazers team is kind of in that middle of like almost all of these guys are pretty much in their athletic primes and have enough experience to know terminology have a shorter learning curve and I think I think the defense has a chance to be decent and I also think Whiteside um, you know they might not have the big wing defender but Whiteside and uh, Zach Collins are going to be very tough to deal with for people driving the lane and trying to finish at the basket. That's just going to be really hard. And I think um, you know you lost Harkless. Basically, you, you gave up Harkless and, and you got Whiteside. And I think um, I think Portland's experienced enough on the defensive end that Whiteside being there to kind of cover some, some things up will and the veteranness will kind of make up for the fact that they don't have those big individual wing defenders. Yeah. And I think we'll get to Whiteside in a second. Like you, you mentioned, uh, or I think you were getting at there, but are, are these guys, um, you know, you said the NBA is an offense first league and I, I do agree with that. That makes sense to me, but are any of these guys that we've talked about here at the forward position, giving you so much on offense that defense can kind of be put to the side? Well, I, I don't necessarily think it's put to the side, but I don't. I just think that you can um, make up for defense a lot more with effort than you can on offense. Um, I, I think there's a lot more scouting, attention to detail, scheme, connectivity that I think will help them kind of make up for what they lose with some of those defenders. And I think, you know, they have – Mario Hazonia, who's getting a lot of rave reviews in camp that could maybe that a lot of people are saying can play that four position, at least within the Blazers. And then it's not necessarily um, it's not a small ball look, but, uh, you know, Zach Collins thinks he can shoot the three a lot better this year. And from what the sounds of it is, he's going to be the starting power forward. So it sounds like Portland's kind of going to go big and they um, they really pride themselves on being kind of a power basketball team in an era when there's not very many of those teams. Yeah. And can you speak to kind of that scheming on defense that Stotts is very known for at this point um, of, you know, funneling the guys in and how this bigger front court pairing of Collins and Whiteside is going to work with that, with having uh, two great rim protectors starting. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you know, Terry Stotts for about the last six or seven years has really just, you know, he's really gone to a, you know, your basic ice pick and roll where you're going to get the big man around the free throw line and they're not really going to come up and, and push up hard towards the three point line, unless it's maybe a Steph Curry. And, you know, it'll be very situational when they'll break from that, but mostly it's, they want to funnel everything to the middle. 
have the big kind of at the free throw line and ready to guard the, the person driving the lane and force them into a mid-range jumper. And, um, you know, I think at times Portland has been maybe a little too cautious, but I think as Lillard and McCollum have gotten a little bit more experienced, I do think uh, their, their defense just doesn't have as many just, just gaping huge mistakes and, and holes that I think they used to have. And I think experience makes up for a lot with having those guys. And then also, uh, you know, just understanding scheme, understanding your teammates and understanding tendencies of the other team and their plays and their sets and what they want to do. And, and I think um, a lot of that corporate knowledge has kind of just instilled over the years here with the Blazers. And I think um, one thing I will say that Stott said uh, at, the, at the media day is that they might try some different stuff this year in addition to kind of like that base defense that you were alluding to. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you both mentioned there, obviously Stotts' schemes is uh, – they've been very successful and they've been doing, I think, more than what you'd expect this team on paper to get done, uh, particularly on defense. Uh, and I wonder, you know, now that Stotts has been extended, it's it may be a moot point, but I wonder, do you think there was a time in there with the consecutive sweeps uh, out of the playoffs where his job was got kind of tenuous and on the line there? Um, I don't think so. I I, I think ten it might have been tenuous. Like obviously, anytime you get swept as a coach, you probably look over your shoulder. But one of the constants of this team, and uh, you know, I remember this, you know, from when I was back on the beat and asking people about it because Stotts was always at the top of uh, you know these gambling odds for like the first coach fired and you know, which coach is not going to be here. Stotts would always end up at the top of those lists. And I remember asking someone and I think it still holds true today is like Damian Lillard is just never going to let Terry Stotts get fired. Like, like Dame just has so much trust in, in, in Stotts that I like, and you know, the NBA is a stars league. I mean, obviously Neil Olshay has a lot of power, but um, he doesn't have anything if he doesn't have Dame in Portland. And it, 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 if, and I think Dame's, uh, you know, trust and embrace of Stotts um, has definitely helped Stotts extend his tenure here. And probably, you know, keeping Stotts around may have, you know, we would never know, you know, how Dame might feel if he wasn't here. And it's a good thing we don't for, for Portland's sake. Right. And Stotts is due his credit for the team overperforming expectations every single year. Uh, and we touched on Collins a little bit last year, but he overperformed obviously as well, did good in the playoffs. Um, him starting at the four, do you feel, uh, obviously that's going to be his role. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong there, but that's the impression that I've gotten here. And do you feel like that is his best role or does it feel like he could be uh, better utilized as a center being seven feet tall? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, just for the purposes of this team, I think they wanted to maintain someone who could, you know, they, they brought in Whiteside because they, they really love his shot blocking. They love that he can be above the rim. They love that he can be big. Uh, Neil Olshay loves, you know, a bigger center. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's going to be the starting four. But uh, I think Terry Stotts has shown us over the years that he's going to tinker. He's going to put guys in different spots. And I think – uh, Collins at center is going to be a look for this team. I, I, I'm not, that's not going to not happen. Uh, you know, it happened last year 
in the postseason, they would take Canner out, and and Collins had some really big games in the postseason, filling in for Canner as the center. I think against certain teams, it's going to be the right move, but not against every team. And I think, uh, you know, I I think they have they want him to be able to play both positions, and I, I think that's more of what they want out of him. And I just think he's starting at the four mostly because I don't necessarily know if the other fours they have are quite starting caliber, or at least they trust them, you know, Tolliver, Hazonia, um, you know, maybe you could convince yourself that Nasir Little could play a little stretch four. Um, you know, Collins just has a lot of trust, knowledge of the system uh, at that four spot. And I think he's going to get a lot of looks there, but I think he's going to play plenty of center as well. So, you know, I think the last big piece here, the, the last big move in the offseason, um, we haven't directly discussed it, but the Hassan Whiteside trade, uh, trading Harkless and Myers Leonard uh, to different destinations, Harkless to the Clippers, Leonard to the Heat, and uh, got Hassan Whiteside. And it appears that he's going to be starting as well until Nurkic is back. Uh, how excited are you for that? I mean, I, I'm excited just because I, 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 um, I mean, I'm just intrigued with how big he is. I mean, he's so big. He's such a good shot blocker. And, um, you know, he is a really talented player. He's got a softer touch around the rim than I think most people give him credit for. And, um, you know, I know that uh, Eric Spolster is a very good coach, but I don't think ever since LeBron was there, he's really ever coached a very good offense. And I'm excited to see what, Whiteside looks like with two great guards that are going to attract the defense's attention all the time for 48 minutes and also in a system where it's read and react it's not set plays and it's not the same set plays and it's more of you're actually making decisions as a human as a player in the system and it's not you know kind of scripted and I think that's going to be fun uh I know you talked about getting a triple double but I don't see that, but I'm excited to see him play and maybe flash a little bit more of his passing muscle. Right, and I know him and Dame have a prior relationship, and it's always good for uh, players to have good chemistry going on. And one other piece was getting Nasir Little at 25. I know he's a very raw talent, but he seems like he could eventually fit that mold of being able to guard these uh, elite small forwards that we were mentioning being worried about for this Blazers team a little bit. Does it feel like uh, there's going to be some opportunity for him or is it just going to take, you know, a, until next season maybe where he really starts to get a role on this team? I, I think they're not really uh, projecting a role for him just yet. I mean, I think they this is such a veteran team that, uh, you know, I it's hard for me to see him really breaking into the rotation, especially given Terry Stotts' history with rookies. I mean, he kind of trusted Simons a little earlier than I expected last year. And obviously there's Lillard, but other than that, I mean, rookies on the Blazers hardly ever play. So I'm not anticipating him playing, but uh, I do like his size. I like his pedigree. I like that he was a highly touted recruit. Uh, him and Anthony Simons go back uh, They're from Florida. They know each other, but um, you know, I don't, I don't really see him uh, doing much for this team this year. Um, you know, so maybe we'll be on the watch out for him to see how he does on G League assignments. But I think one of the, the things about Portland and their development history is that even though their rookies don't normally play, 
they normally turn guys into pretty decent players after their their runs are over in Portland. So, and and they really take pride in having those guys work out with the the club, you know, work out with the the real players and not just be in the D league the whole or G league the whole time. So. Um, you know, a lot of Anthony or not Anthony's growth, Nasir's growth this year is going to be a lot of unseen stuff that most of us aren't going to be able to see. But I think given the Blazers track record of being able to develop young players, uh, you know, I, that gives me encouragement to see what they do with him. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, and uh, we like to identify some guys that could potentially take a step forward and back on this team. Is there any uh, standout candidates in either direction for you there? Well, I mean, I, I, I do think, uh, you know, Whiteside is a huge uh, step forward candidate for this Blazers team. I mean, statistically, you know, he, he was pretty good at the start of last year, then he loses his minutes, and I just think he's going to feast uh, with this Blazers team, if you if you have if you have a fantasy basketball team, I'm sure Hassan Whiteside is going to destroy for you this year because, I mean, he's going to get so many easy baskets, so many easy looks, and uh, he's just going to be more open. I think than he has been in 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 his entire NBA career. I, I mean, I really think he has a chance to to really take a step forward. Uh, God, I mean, as far as to take a step back, uh, you know, I. I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly right now who's going to take a step back on this team because part of the problem is all the guys they brought in are kind of by low guys. I mean, Hazonia, uh, Baysmore, Whiteside himself. So I guess maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Rodney Hood has a little bit of a, 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 a not as great of a postseason, I guess, maybe. Uh, I, I guess I can go with that. But, uh, or, or, but, you know, a lot of these guys for Portland uh, didn't play that well last year. You know, I, 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 I uh, you know, maybe the Anthony Simon stuff maybe is not going to be as crazy as we think. Maybe that's my uh, not as, you know, not too high prediction, I guess. Yeah, we also got to ask about Scal because uh, uh, that's what the Kings fans care about, really. Uh, there are people who still we had a we had like a giveaway where we gave uh, a Buddy Heel jersey uh, away to to someone who retweeted a, a, a thing or answered a quiz question. And uh, yeah, we. We asked him, we DM'd him for his address. We'd send him the jersey, and he, he had some comment about like I still believe in Scal. So where, where where are we at? Should we? I mean, what are your thoughts on Scal? And and should uh, his supporters uh, look elsewhere, or, or are we still believing in him? Hey, don't give up! Don't give up on Scal, man. I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, we we we've 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 held on this long. You know, you might as well you know, hold on for a little bit more. I mean, that's another guy. I don't know if he's going to crack the rotation, but, uh, you know, they do have a lot of size at the four and injuries happen, you know, guys go down with uh, little nicks and, and bruises here and there. And, and I think, uh, you know, Scal at least showed in that Sacramento game, you know, he's still got some skill. He can, he can, he can shoot it. He can rebound it. 
he looks a little bit bigger to me uh, when I saw him at media day. His arms are looking a bit bigger, uh, which obviously has been kind of a, a, a knock on him, I think has been his lack of size. Um, so I, I think Scal's really interesting. I, I always like guys that are kind of that, you know, that were really highly touted at one point in their career and you kind of see what they've got after a little while. So um, I think Scal's going to get a couple looks uh, throughout the regular season just because I think, you know, the 82 game schedule really just maintains that, you, you know, you're going to get a chance most night or most guys on a roster are going to get a chance to contribute over the course of the season. Yeah, and he was swapped out for Swanigan is, uh, you know, he probably, there's a good chance he doesn't end up making the Sacramento roster this year, but he was very entertaining to watch, especially in that Portland game there. He's a little bit of a do-it-all with a little bit of vision. Does it feel like Portland fans are kind of keeping tabs on him a little bit? Uh, you know, I, I don't know about that. Um, I, I I always liked Swanigan. Uh, I, I thought I liked his vision. I liked what he could do. I I think a lot of Blazers fans were very confused when he was drafted in the first place because Portland already had a bunch of centers on the team and they had just drafted Zach Collins. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily know if the love affair was ever there with Caleb Swanigan, unfortunately, for Blazer fans. Um, just because I think there was a there was an initial level. I mean, Blazer fans, there's, there's, a, there's a sect that definitely loves Caleb. And I, I loved him. And I thought he had some cool talents, very cool skills. Um, I think the, the confusion about him uh, being the draft pick, I think maybe just kind of – I don't know if people really miss him that much, unfortunately. Um, and that sucks that he's not going to make the team If from what it sounds like you guys are saying. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I'm super confident that he won't make the team. I think that this Kings team is pretty stubborn about getting back – value for anyone they have on the books so you know because his his money is locked in I think that he will be probably kept around until they can find a way to to use that money as part of a another trade or or something or you know I could be wrong maybe they just they let him go and just want to give um you know a G League guy a look uh, I know Hollis Thompson is a is a guy that is probably going to be starting in the G League that they would like to see a little bit more of um process uh, yeah. process alum hollis thompson wow yeah That's- i yeah they the kings the the excuse me the stockton kings just traded a first round pick a g league draft pick for him and he was on the uh the g league team here or, or the summer league team uh for the kings then yeah he was he got some love for sure uh but wow. yeah this this was confusing because both of these guys i think that both these guys got their third year options picked up scowl and swanigan and then just didn't play and then were just traded for each other. And it just felt like, you know, I feel like if they could have gone back in time, they would have just not picked up those options and this trade wouldn't have happened. But, but who knows? Um, let's get to predictions for the upcoming season. Uh, Vegas has the over-under for Portland right around 47 and a half wins. How does that strike you? Are you feeling uh, that's, that's, that's too high, that's too low, just about right? Uh, I think it's just about right. That's a lot harder of an over or under call than I thought. I'd probably go over just because I'm high on this Blazers team. Uh, and, I mean, generally I'm a little bit more optimistic. But generally that has proven to be correct because Vegas consistently undershoots these guys so um, or undersells them. So uh, I, 
it's a tougher one. I think the initial one was like 44 and a half, which were like, that was instant over for me. Um, 47 and a half is a little bit tougher, but I think, uh, it, it's a, it's much better. It's a much better line than I think the earlier over under was when they first released it in the summer. Yeah. And, uh, at this point, I don't know if I can ever bet under against Portland again, like you said, every single year they seem to be over. And, uh, the last question that we want to get from you here, Eric is, uh, projecting three to five years down the line. Uh, it can be a little bit difficult to do, but you guys do have your two superstars on the books for exactly that long. Where do you see the Blazers looking at that point? Is it a little difficult with your older two stars at the end being paid 50 million in 36? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, uh, that's definitely going to be a very expensive team, but I think, uh, you know, Jody Allen, who's uh, Paul Allen's sister has taken over as the chair of the team. And, uh, if you know anything about the Allens, you know, you know, they have a lot of money. So, uh, you know, I think play, paying a, a luxury tax, paying a big bill, if you really believe you have championship aspirations for that amount of time, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think they're going to be a competitive team for the next three to four years. Obviously, when you get closer and, and Dame and CJ get a little bit older, that gets harder. But you know, if if this Anthony Simons thing is really uh, what we're what uh, you know what we're being told it is, you know that can make it a little bit easier for you know maybe a guy like Dame or CJ to become more of a spot up guy, have have Simons run more of the show, uh, you, you know that maybe a you know a, a grizzled Damian Lillard, you know pulling up from three. Uh, you know, spacing the court a little bit like a like a you know Jason Kidd with the Mavs or something like that, but like way better at shooting, just way better and way better at leading your team and just a, just way better in general uh, <laughs> as a guy you'd want around your team. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know a, Portland has something good here, and you know, uh, I think a lot of times uh, Blazer fans, especially before this last playoff run, were, would take being good consistently for granted and having this team for granted. Uh, but now I, I don't necessarily think that that's the case anymore. And I think uh, Blazer fans should be pretty happy with where they're at right now. Obviously, um, you know, we know how it can all change on a dime. So I think, uh, you know, I think it, right now is a, is a, it's a great time to be a Blazer fan. So I think, uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a good group. And I think, you know, the future right now uh, is pretty bright. You know, I got one more follow-up for you. Uh, because Portland appears to be in the mix of teams that Kings fans are hoping that will fall off a little bit and allow the Kings to sneak into that eighth seed, you know, where do you feel like they land amongst the teams in the West? Because, you know, it, it's it's nebulous. It's really hard to pin down, you know, who the best eight teams are in the West and in what order. Uh, you know, you've got some some teams at the top that feel like they've emerged as at least for the regular season, uh, as front runners. But um, I'm looking at the win totals right now on the Action Network, and it looks like they are eighth just a hair behind the Spurs in that win total. But where do you see the seed for this team? What do you th think that pans out to? This is for Portland, right? Not Sacramento? Yeah, no, that's right. I'm, uh, sorry, yeah. sorry, 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 my fault. Sorry, I just missed it. There was a big home run in the baseball game that happened just now, so I was sorry. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Just to, to clarify, uh, Sacramento is, you know, consistently around ninth, 10th, even 11th on some sites, but you know, they're looking up, the Kings are looking up, right. Hoping that yes, yes, a team yes. will, will drop out. And the Blazers have been identified as one of those teams that people are hoping might fall out the Spurs among them. But for right now, it looks like the Blazers are right in that seventh and eighth seed in terms of win total projections. Where do you think that shakes out for the Blazers? Do you see them higher than that? Oh, man, I wasn't. I didn't know if I was going to be ready to break this one out yet. Uh, man, I think this team could be. I, I think this team is back in the three seed or the two seed. I, I really do. Oof. I think that's high. I, I I I know. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to do this yet in early October. I was going to save it closer to opening day, but. Uh, I mean, I, I think, okay, I think Houston's going to be the first seed just because I think those guys are going to win too many games for them to just stop anybody. But I really do think Portland can take their offense to another level this year, and I think their defense can be just as good or if not a little bit better um, now that they have Whiteside. Like, I don't think that that's crazy. Um, you know, the Clippers have some injury issues. Denver is very, very good. They were very good last season, but it is hard for young teams, and this is the first time I think Denver really has any expectations on them. And, and, and I, I'm watching that because I just don't necessarily, you know, growth in the NBA is not a linear thing, as the Blazers can attest to. And so um, Utah, I think they're very formidable. Uh, I have trouble seeing, you know, I, 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 you know I, I have trouble figuring out how they're going to get stops in the postseason when teams try to, you know, play Gobert off the floor. Can Gobert, you know, even go up against like a Zach Collins at the five? You know, I think that really creates some issues. Uh, the Lakers and the, the Lakers are great. I, I think the Lakers are going to be very good. Uh, but I think Portland is a better team. I just think they are. Uh, um, you know, Golden State, I think, is going to have some issues with uh, Curry and minutes. And I think in him – you know, potentially getting hurt or potentially getting worn down uh, throughout the season and having how that, you know, plays out for them, uh, that, that could be a little precarious. Um, I, I, I'm, I do believe Portland uh, is going to be a top two or three seed. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I understand your reasons for optimism. I'm going to ask you to clarify this. How will Utah get stops? Because to me, uh, no, Mike in the playoffs. Okay. And this is just talking on Gobert getting run off the floor, right? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, and they, they're also not a very good offensive team. I mean, they got Bojan, but like, I mean, I don't know. Like Donovan Mitchell wasn't that great in the postseason last year. Uh, right. Mike, Mike Conley's great. Joe Ingles is good, but I mean Dante Exum. All we do is hear about how great he's gonna be one day. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, you know Ed Davis is good, but he can't shoot. Uh, you can't play him and Gobert together. Uh, you know, I, I do think there are some issues here with that team. That I don't know. I. Th- th- that I just – I don't understand how they jump from I, – I know they got Mike Conley. I just don't understand how they jump from losing in five games in the first round to winning the finals or winning the West. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just seems like a very big jump for this team. And I know Mike Conley's great, but, like, I don't know. I just don't see that big of a jump from them. I just – I don't know if I'm seeing it. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I just, you know. 
could be my, you know, Utah hate talking. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I don't know. They're a very good team. They're, they're going to, they're going to tighten the screws on you defensively in the regular season. I just, uh, offensively, I, I, I don't know about what happens when teams start to scout them and that ball movement motion stuff doesn't work as well in the postseason that they really thrive on. And, you know, that's when having individual scorers and guys that can really create a shot. I mean, Mitchell did some good things in the, in the team USA, but, um, you know, he hasn't really always been that efficient, you know, in, in doing that. And he's only in his third year. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to like, be like, Hey, what, I mean, are we sure? Right. And uh, I do really like Bojan's offense that he brings to the floor. But uh, to, again, to this really quick, to this Gobert uh, getting run off the floor, that would be not playing Whiteside and having Collins at the five, kind of like we were talking about a little earlier, right? Where you're able to play with that at times. Yes, exactly. I mean, I mean that's that's one of those times when you go with it, and I'm sure Whiteside would you know love to go up against Gobert. But if like if if, if guys keep driving at Gobert, like I mean, why are you going to do that? So, so you know, you have to have those, and that's one of the things that I really like about this Blazers roster. I think is that they have a lot more actual shooters that you can go to and cause problems like that. I mean, Tolliver isn't like that awesome of a player, but if you stick him at the four and you put Collins at the five, you know, you really have a problem there offensively uh, for other teams' defenses, where you actually have a four that can shoot. You have Dan, you have CJ, you have Collins, who's at least a threat to shoot. You know, you can put out some really difficult lineups for teams to guard. Um, and I think Portland has a lot of that this year that they didn't have in seasons past. So here's where I'm at with it. I I think that's bullish. I think that's optimistic. I, I You know, the 47-win mark, that feels about right to me. But I'll say, based on – the evidence of what's happened each of the past few years, what I got to do is take what I think they'll win, 47 wins, and just slap an extra five on that because that's just how it's played out. And, and I got to, you know, I, I just, I got to accept that I'm just going to be wrong about this team forever. So I guess they'll win 52 games. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I forget what year it was. I think it was the year uh, after, the second year after LaMarcus was there, they had a regression year and I was a little, and I was a little weary that that might happen because Aminu had shot so well from three the season before. This year, I do think their offensive ceiling is higher, but, you know, uh, injuries can happen, things can happen, and, you know, who knows. But I just think the chemistry, I think the shooting, I think coaching, the, the corporate knowledge, I think all those things just really, in a, in a league and in a conference that really lacks continuity, I really like what Portland has in just they know what they got. I like it. Uh, I, I, I actually, uh, I really appreciate the optimism and you make some great points that, that are going to make me think definitely when putting together my predictions for the year. But uh, yeah. just... when, I, when I used to do just a quick note, when I used yeah. to do the, when I used to do the dunked on pod for the, for the Blazers with, with Nate, I would always consistently have about four more wins than Nate did. So just like, this is, this is my preseason mode. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, and, and you've been right uh, most of the time. So um, yeah, I mean, let's see it again this year. I, I hope so. And uh, everyone, make sure if you're listening, please do follow Eric. Uh, he's a great follow on Twitter. It's at E-R-I-K underscore G-U-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast. And good luck to the Kings this year. I hope you guys knock someone out. 
<laughs> so do we, man. We appreciate you coming on. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. You will hear from us again in the next couple of days.